Welcome to the Dream Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us on our mission to see on earth as it is in heaven, in Columbia, South Carolina, and throughout the world. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Proverbs 25, 2 says this. Um, am I in the right? Yeah, okay. Uh, making sure I had the right translation that I wanted. Thank you so much. Um, Proverbs 25, 2 says this. It's the king, excuse me, it's God's privilege to conceal things. It's God's privilege to conceal or hide things and the king's privilege to discover them. Whoa. All right. It's, it's God's privilege to hide things. It's to God's enjoyment that he hides things. And it's to our enjoyment to find them. So we talk about the secret place a lot. I don't think we understand what that is. Uh, that, that word gets thrown around a good bit. And it's the place that you spend time with the Lord. But it's very significant that we call that the secret place. The Lord, here's what he does. The Lord, and, and I'll use this example. This is totally not for me. Um, this is uh, from Damon Thompson. I heard him say this lately, recently, and I thought it was really good. And so uh, <clears throat> I like to give credit where credit's due. I wish I could come up with something that's cool. But you can't find the church in the Old Testament. In other words, the idea of, of this church, it is very difficult to find it in any of the major or minor prophets in the Old Testament. Okay? That, that's nothing like, that's not a big revelation. That's just reality. Go read through all the major or minor prophets. You'll see. So, the church, though, I would argue is maybe, other than the resurrection, the crucifixion and resurrection, is the most important thing in the entire story. I mean, all of it led up to the church, us, the body of Christ. So what the Lord did was he hid his greatest revelation, the church, for a group of people who had been redeemed and went on a search and rescue mission to find what he had concealed, the church. So Acts 2, they spend 10 days in an upper room praying, fasting, worshiping, not knowing how long they were going to be there, just knowing we're not going to move until he sends us what he promised he would send us. And out of that came the church. So in those 10 days, they were searching out what had been concealed before. So why would he do that? It's because they had to get to the secret place to find what he hid in the secret place. So he'll hide stuff in the secret place to get you to the secret place. So, so the reason a lot of people miss out on a lot of revelation is because they don't have a secret place. And so we talk about intimacy a lot, but the reason that a lot of stuff that I or anybody else say, anybody, any, anything that I say that might come off as something brand new, or maybe you didn't grow up hearing that, or maybe it's something that you're like, man, I don't know about that. A lot of times the reason that I'm okay delivering something that I know might be taken a little weird because of how everybody grew up in this region, I'm okay with that because I know if you'll take it to the secret place, he'll tell you the same thing. 
I got what I got from the secret place. So if you'll take it to the secret place, he'll begin to speak to you the whole revelation he spoke to me in the secret place. That's where it's hiding. But if you'll take my words and just take them how I said them and that's how it is and you just kind of go on with life, it'll never click. That's why a lot of people disagree with stuff because they never take it to the secret place. If I'm being honest with you, the reason we have a thousand denominations only in America, the reason we have a thousand denominations is because somebody got a word that people refused to take to the secret place. And instead of taking it to the secret place where he would unite the body, they instead created divisions out of a lack of intimacy and a lack of the secret place. That's real good. You know, I know my voice sounds weird this morning, so... But I'm telling y'all, that's, that's everything. Y'all want to know how we fix all of America. Let me tell you something. It ain't, it ain't the Democratic debates. I promise you that. I watched some of that stuff. Joke. Not because of the people. Because I watched some of the Republican debates, too. And it's all a joke. And I love They're great. I pray for them all the time. That ain't the answer. We ain't solving nothing with that. You know how we're going to solve stuff? If his people who are called by his name will humble themselves... I'll turn and heal their land. So last night, uh, we went to Norway. <clears throat> and uh, you mind if I share? I mean, is it okay if I share a little bit about last night? Okay. Uh, we, uh, we went to Norway for a, um, I don't even, a, a service, I guess you would call it. And um, so we went and did worship. And when I say, like, it, we walked through the town, and it was like, it was, it was like we were talking to shells, of people that had no life in them. I mean, literally, that's what it felt like. And um, and so we're walking around, we're talking to people, we're saying, hey, it's amazing, people will walk, we were at a gas station, people will walk into a gas station, be like, hey, how's you, how are you doing? And they'll be like, oh, okay, it's weird. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, cra- like the craziest thing ever. Why would you ask me how I'm doing? And um, and so we go to this night, and, and in the room, uh, it's, it, it was full, it was a lot of people that showed up, which is awesome, but um, we're worshiping, and uh, right before we started, I uh, I noticed on this bell tower that they have downtown, um, Leviticus 25 was inscribed. I don't know when that bell tower was built, but it had to be a long time ago, right? 1976? Okay, yeah, yeah. So years ago. Now, y'all, y'all okay if I get weird for a second? I mean, we're, you're like, man, you're not weird already? Um, yeah, a lot of y'all have been thinking it's been weird for the whole time. Um, so... Let, let me tell you how the prophetic works, okay? Just let me teach, let me teach you how the prophetic works. <clears throat> Bob Jones, years ago, prophesied that when the, if you've never heard stuff like this, that's fine. I, I just said, I prefaced it by saying we're about to get weird, so you were warned. Um, we got coffee out there, if you, you know. But um, just kidding. So Bob Jones prophesied that when the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl, it was going to be a sign that God was sending revival. And the, the part that a lot of people didn't say was that he actually said, it's going to send revival that will trigger the next great awakening. And he said, the reason it's so significant is because when the chiefs win, it'll be a sign that God is raising apostolic chiefs. So the Kansas City Chiefs obviously won the Super Bowl. And so... Um, the last time they won the Super Bowl was 50 years ago. 50 
is the year of Jubilee in Israel. Okay? So why is that significant? Because the year of Jubilee is the year that all slaves and prisoners had to be set free. All debt had to be forgiven. And all land had to be returned to its original owner. It was the year of sabbatical rest for the land. In that year, you couldn't plant new crops, and you couldn't store away new crops. You literally had to just eat from the land. So whatever the land had provided, that's what you had. It was a, it was a year of Sabbath, rest. So the chapter in Leviticus that describes the year, oh, and by the way, if, just just for the fun of it, this is how this is really how the prophetic words. They won the Super Bowl on 02-02-2020, the same front and back. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter which way you see him, he's the same. They won it on the 33rd day of the year with 333 days left in the year. So, again, if you want to know how the prophetic works, there's a great example, okay? You can't make that up. And if you could, I'd love to meet you because you're real smart. But... um, why is that so important? Because the, the, the significance of God raising up apostolic chiefs, what is an apostle? If you've heard me say this before, you can check out for this, but I know a lot of new people are here. Apostle is not a church term. It originated in Rome. And when Rome would take over a new territory, they would conquer a region, conquer a territory, they would send an apostle with teachers and artists, and musicians, and chefs, and they would send them to culturalize this newly overtaken region to look like Rome, and sound like Rome, and taste like Rome. They would culturalize it. So the reason that Jesus gave the apostles the name apostle was not because it was some big religious term. It was because in that day, what they were doing was taking the culture of heaven and establishing it in the earth. They were literally apostles. Okay? So we get, we get real weird when we start hearing the phrase apostle because for whatever reason, all throughout church history, we thought it was some big, crazy thing. And it's, it's really important. But that didn't even come from the church. It came from Rome. Okay? So let's get that stigma out of the way. Him raising up apostolic chiefs is really important because in the year of Jubilee, there's a lot of land that is returned to its original owner, which needs apostles to culturalize it in the, let me say it like this, to culturalize it in the culture that we were sent from. The word apostle means sent one, okay? So if we're seated in heavenly places and we are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, our job, our calling, is not even necessarily apostle, prophet, preacher, teacher, evangelist. Those are all great. Our real, our real calling is to be so consumed with him that we actually begin to establish his world in our world. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Right? Right? But we're not trying to win people to heaven. We're actually trying to bring heaven to people. Totally different. I'm not trying to escape. I'm trying to reign. That's, okay. So, let me just move this bad boy out of the way. So, I'm walk, we're walking downtown, and right before we go to start this, uh, this event, uh, we're looking at this bell tower, and I notice in the corner there's a verse. 
And I look at it, and I was like, man, Leviticus 25. I know that verse. Why do I know that verse? Hey. (laughs) And uh, Leviticus 25 is the chapter in Leviticus that describes the year of Jubilee. Inscribed in in the 1970s. So, last night, we're doing this worship night. And I'm playing piano. I have no voice at this point, and uh, or very little. I'm playing piano. Ellington and all the guys are just just sounding awesome, leading, and uh, and I could just see people just just weeping in the presence of the Lord. And this was so important. I sat in my car this morning and cried for thirty minutes, like just. And I'm I'm trying my best not to cry right now because y'all know me. Because the first couple of years, really the first year and a half of this church. Um, nobody was showing up. Nobody cared. Everybody was stone faced. Everybody in Columbia thought we were the devil. They still think we're the. But uh, I mean, it, it was just like I mean, it was a weekly conversation. Lord, why am I doing this? I mean, seriously, like some of y'all were here in the beginning. Why? Why are we doing this? Seriously, like nobody really cares about this. It's making no difference. And Lee McDermott, one of my spiritual fathers, every almost on a weekly basis would say. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't, and I used to, I get so mad. Like, bro, that's easy for you to say. Y'all got 5,000 people showing up to church every week. Real easy. We, don't, we got five. You know? <laughs> don't despise the day of small beginnings. Last night, I'm talking to people, and there was a lady there. I don't, I don't remember her name. There was a lady there, and uh, she pulled me aside. And, uh, and Paul was with me, and she was like, and I think she even talked to Ellington afterwards too, but, but she was like, every week when I get in my truck on Monday, I listen to that podcast, and it is rocking my life. Never met her in my life. Never been in this church. And as we're playing, I'm seeing all these people being transformed. And the Lord, one, I wasn't supposed to speak, and, of course, that never goes good. So uh, I got up and said some stuff, and then Mr. Bragg delivered something awesome. The mayor was there. We got to pray over everybody. And this morning I was in the shower, and I was thinking about last night, and I heard the Lord whisper. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Every week you showed up in that theater thinking nobody was getting touched. And there's people all of, literally all over the world that somehow find a podcast from a handful of people in Colombia that are being transformed into the image of Jesus because a group of people decided we're not going to give up. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. It's God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. I, I just, I'm going to be real honest with y'all. Um, I got a lot of stuff over Song of Songs 3. I don't feel good about any of it this morning. I really don't. I don't think I'm going to do it. Um, here's what I do want to do, though. We'll hit it next week. I just, I feel the Lord moving right now <clears throat> in a very significant way. I don't know if you could feel this, but there are some things that are shifting and I can see this in my spirit right now. But there are some things that are shifting in our lives and in our culture and in what God is doing in this place. There are things that are shifting that if we aren't careful, we're going to miss.
Are, are y'all with? Are y'all like awake? Okay. <laughs> there are things. I mean, the Lord has concealed things in a city that is dead. Columbia is dead. Let me just, like straight. It is dead. We got churches on every corner, and that boy is dead. It is. So what has he done? He's he's hidden the revelation of what is Columbia? It's Lehman Durant. It's the city of the dove. It's the city of the Holy Spirit. He's hidden the revelation of what our city is for a group of people who will make the decision, I'm going to search it out. And I'm going to find it through the secret place. And what the Lord has been showing me is that what this church is, is a secret place. How many people in Columbia even know we exist? We were talking about this this week. I was like, man, a lot of people that we have conversations with, they'll say things like, if I had known y'all were here a year ago, I would have been here a year ago. Right? No one knows we're here. Literally no one. Well, except for the people that I hate, but that's okay. But other than them, not a lot of people know that we're here. It's literally a secret place. And there's going to come a day where he's going to bring what is in secret out in the open to shine a light on everything. What is brought out of the darkness and exposed to the light is brought into truth, Ephesians 5. So what he's going to do is he's going to allow us to sit in the secret place until we begin to search out and find the things that people haven't found for years. There are things that you are meant to discover in the secret place that you will not find until you get in the secret place and say, I'm not leaving until I find what I came for. I mean, what do we think he meant when he said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. Every time I taught that, I would put a lot of emphasis on the ask and you shall receive and the knock and it shall be open. And I would usually kind of skim over the seek and you'll find because it didn't have any significance to me until I read that Proverbs verse. What is he saying? Seek and you shall find. He's saying, if you'll just, if you'll put it in your mind, I'm going to seek it out. I'll make sure you find it. This, this is very significant. I, maybe it's just for me. This is, this is huge for me. This is shifting a lot of stuff in how I see things because in the Song of Songs 3, and maybe I will hit just a couple of verses in that, but I, I want to, just make sure that we understand that she, in Song of Songs 2, turns him away. Okay? She turns him away. Actually, I am going to do that. Song of Songs 3, go ahead. Um, and I'm just going to let him speak. Song of Songs 2, she turns him away. Okay? Remember, she says, I want to be revived and refreshed, and I want more. And he says, awesome. The way I'm going to do that is I'm going to call you higher. And she says, whoa, hold up. I just want to be refreshed. I don't want to go higher. You know what I mean? I just want re- I want a good night's sleep. That's all I want. And he says, I'm going to give you a good night's sleep. I'm actually going to give you the rest of your life good night's sleeps if you'll come and be with me. And she says, that's okay. Until the shifting shadows of fear disappear, go ahead without me. Now, Here we are, Song of Songs 3. She has just told him, go ahead without me. Does he go? Okay. Let me just read. I'm I'm only going to read like four verses. Night after night, I'm tossing and turning on my bed of travail. 
Why did I let him go from me? How my heart now aches for him, but he's nowhere to be found. So I must rise and search of him, looking throughout the city, seeking until I find him. Even if I have to roam through every street, nothing will keep me from my search. You hear this? I must rise in search of him, looking throughout the city, seeking until I find him. <clears throat> Even if I have to roam through every street, nothing will keep me from my search. Where is he? My love's true, my soul's true love. He's nowhere to be found. Then I encounter the overseers as they encircled the city. So I asked them, have you found him? My heart's true love, and just as I moved past them, I encountered him, the one that I adore. I caught him and fastened myself to him, refusing to be feeble in my heart again. Now I'll bring him back to the temple within where I was given new birth, into my innermost parts, the place of my conceiving. And then he says, promise me that you won't disturb my love until she's ready. He never left. He was just in the secret place. So some of y'all, some of y'all feel distant from God. He's not distant. He's just waiting for you to seek him out. I know this is real surface level sounding, and I'm trying to sound, you know, like big and revelate. I don't think I don't feel the pressure to do that at all. He a lot of us go through seasons where we feel like God is distant, that God's not listening. That, Lord, I thought you were going to do this by now. I thought you were going to answer this by now. I thought you were going to move in this way by now. I thought the whole city of Columbia was going to be saved by now. You know, like, we go through these seasons, and we start questioning, 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 questioning. And usually in that season, those are the seasons that we start moving away from the secret place. All right, maybe it's just me. The seasons where I start to question his faithfulness are the seasons that I don't want to get up early and spend time with him a lot. The seasons where I'll pray for something and then I'll see something and then I'll respond with, I mean, that's not what I prayed for. So, uh, you know what? I'm just going to sleep in tomorrow. That's my, uh, that, that's just, maybe that's just me, okay? And as we draw away from the secret place, what we're actually doing is we're drawing away from the place where he's actually hiding, He's not hiding as in hiding like, I don't want them to find me. He's hiding in the place that is the bedroom that the bride and the groom are intended to be intimate in. Maybe that's a lot, okay? But you understand this? That's what the secret place is. There is a place for a bride and a groom that no one else is allowed to be in. And it's in that place that a bride and groom are literally joined into one. If the whole world were invited into that place, it would never be significant. You would never feel the freedom to be vulnerable enough to be joined to someone with everybody else present. So what does he do? He goes in the bedroom. He shuts the door. He locks it and turns off the lights and says, if you want close, if you want proximity, if you want joining, I'll be right here. Still in the house. He didn't leave. He's hiding in the secret place. Is this too much? Okay. So, I mean, I was probably going to keep going anyway. Um, 
So, so what a lot of us do, that's what she, she says, you know what, go on without me. He says, I want you to arise, come to the mountain with me. It's going to be awesome. You're going to find every answer to everything you've ever needed. She said, that's okay. Until the shifting shadows of fear disappear, go ahead. And what does he do? He goes and hides in the secret place. She, night after night, can't sleep. She's restless. She's tossing and turning. She's asking, where did he go? What did I do? Why did I make that decision? Does that sound familiar with a lot of people, how you've kind of maybe even in this season, you've gone through seasons where you'll lay awake at night and you'll think, man, I should not have done this. I should not have made the decision to move here. I should not have made the decision to get out of that relationship. I know you told me to, Lord, but I shouldn't have done that. Night after night, we're tossing and turning. We're tossing and turning. We're tossing and turning. Why? Because a lot of times, we've avoided the place where he actually wants to show us why he's doing what he's doing. Remember, it's the king's privilege to conceal things. and Excuse me. It's God's privilege to conceal things and the king's and queen's privilege to search them out. Okay? So what does she do? She goes through the city. And I'm going to read this uh, footnote real quick. The city, Dr. Brian Simmons says, the city is a picture of the local church, a place with government, order, and overseers. So she goes from church to church looking for the one she loves. So she says, why did I let him go for me? I know just the place to go. I'll go to all the places where I think he should probably be. And so she starts going out, and she starts going through the city. Let me say all this. She starts going in church after church after church after church after church. And she finds a lot of things. She finds a lot of groups. She finds a lot of welcoming. She finds a lot of gifts. A lot of gifts. She finds a lot of light. She finds a lot of great speakers. But she's like, listen, all this is great. There's something in me that says I need my groom. And I can't find him. So she goes to the overseers encounters them as they encircled the city and asked them, have you found him, my heart's true love? And then she says, just as I moved past them, I encountered him. So, so she went through the overseers. She didn't stop at the overseers. She went through the overseers and then encountered him on the other side. My job is not to be your bridegroom. Let me say all this. A podcast or a YouTube message is not designed to be your bridegroom. And if you stop, if you're, let me say this in love. If Why do I, I have to preface that? Because people send me emails. But look, I'm saying this in love and grace and all spacious godness and all that other stuff, okay? Okay? I just got to start prefacing myself with that. Um, I fear the Lord. So, let me say this, okay? If your quiet time consists of listening to a podcast or watching a sermon from Todd White or somebody else, that ain't a quiet time. I'm sorry. If, if that's your quiet time, you've settled for a very inferior version of what we call a quiet time. I don't even know if you can call that a quiet time. Let me say this. If what I teach you is all you get the whole week, 
you have settled for a way inferior version of what he actually wants to teach you. See, my job is to help you find the secret place where he can begin to show you the things that are hidden in the place where only you and him are intended to find. You know what I mean? So it's awesome to hear me tell you what the Lord has shown me in my secret place. But the only reason that exists is to serve as an example, as a case study of what our life should look like on a weekly basis. You know what I'm saying? So my job as I'm planning sermons, as, as I'm praying, and I'm, as, as I'm downloading this, this, um, this teaching and all this Song of Songs stuff and anything else that the Lord speaks, and as Ellington's planning worship songs, and as Paul and Spencer and all these guys are planning Tuesday nights, and as we're doing all this, our mindset is not, we've got to teach them how to do this, and teach them how to do this, and teach them how to do this. Our mindset is, we've got to show them the Jesus that they are designed to fall madly in love with. And that really changes how you do sermons. I told them this week, I guess it was two Tuesday nights ago, I should never have to do a salvation message in this entire church history. I, I shouldn't. You know why? Because we should all be leading our friends to Christ outside of the church. My job is to equip us for the work of the ministry, not do the work of the ministry. <laughs> right? I know that pushes some buttons. Some of y'all went to seminary and heard complete opposite. I'm sorry. But you know what I'm saying? My, my job is to raise up a bride that is pure and spotless. That's my job. And so in order to raise you up as a bride, pure and spotless, the most effective way and the most extravagant way I could raise this church up into the place where it's pure and spotless is to actually get you to honor the secret place more than my sermon. Monday morning is way more important than Sunday morning. You know what I'm saying? Monday through Saturday morning is so much more important than Sunday morning. Now, let me say this. We talked to a lot of people yesterday morning uh, and conversations in this area a lot. And some of y'all have encountered this. Here's how these conversations go when you talk about church. I don't need to be in a church building. I can, I can do church wherever I go. Anybody else heard that before? Right? So what we've done is we've, we've, we've taught people that your relationship with the Lord is important. What we have failed to do is teach people that honoring the body where we come together and begin to grow with one another, where you feel my weaknesses and I feel your weaknesses. And anything you're struggling with, I can step in and you can borrow my faith in what you're struggling in and I can borrow your faith from what I'm struggling in. We've dishonored the body. And so what we've said is, is I can go out, I can do church wherever I want. I can go sit on a bench beside the state house and do church. No, you can't. You can spend time with the Lord but the legislative body only works when the members come together. You are the elect. So, so when people are elected to Congress, how do they do their job? They got to show up and govern. We are the elect. The Ecclesia Church is literally a governmental body, not some group of people that shows up and does three songs and preaches a sermon and tells everybody go home and have a great day it's people who show up and say today we've got some stuff we need to govern into the city we've got some bills we need to pass in the city 
today, coronavirus, gone out of my city. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. I don't care. That, that right there, right there, can't be in our city. Can't. Why? Because the legislative body came together and we passed a law. As for me and my house, that thing can't come in here. Right? Either that's a bunch of fluff or that's what Jesus said. And I, we re, I like, <clears throat> see, when I'm feeling like this, it's just like all my filters just go away. Um, but, I mean, seriously, as a body, we've got to come together and we've got to start saying that, like, either Jesus didn't tell the truth about on earth as it is in heaven or we have stopped way short of what we were designed for. I mean, seriously, either when Jesus said, Father in heaven is actually not in most of the original translations, so psh, our Father... Here, your name is great. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Either that was just something that he said that shouldn't have been written down because it was crazy and he didn't really mean it, or we have stopped so short. You know what I mean? I mean, we our, our lives should be... How does heaven look? How does this look? What do I need to do to get all the pieces that are absent here from there to here? That's what our life should look like. So number one, everybody in the city of Columbia should be saved. It is the will of the Lord that no man perish. Are men perishing? Yes. Why? Because sons and daughters are not living in their sons and daughters' identity. Right? It's like God, God is, I mean, that's the, that's the cool thing today is like predestination. It's God's will that no man should perish. Are men perishing? Yes. By predestination. Right? Right? So we, everybody is predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus. So all they're waiting for is a son or daughter to actually start looking like the image of Jesus. That didn't hit as good as I thought of it. That's okay. So she goes, she searches out the one that she loves. She goes through the overseers. She finds him and then says, I'm going to pull you into my heart, and I refuse to let you go. And then he says this again. He says, let me just remind y'all, until you're ready, do not disturb my love. You remember that? That's what he says before he brings the answer the first time. I'm going to refresh you by allowing you to arise. He gives a warning. Do not disturb my love until she's ready to arise. She tries to get into something before she's willing to pay the price for it. Hello. Right? I've... I've tried to get into so many things, and then he'll ask me for the price of the things that I'm trying to get into, and I'll be like, wait a minute. What price? Trust. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm going to call you out here. I'm going to ask you to do things that make absolutely no sense, and you're just going to have to trust. Whoa, hold up. Trust. I thought all things were good. I thought all things were working together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to bring you hope in a future. Like, you know what I'm saying? We all put those things on bumper stickers and shout them to the rooftops. What we don't put is, oh, here's one little caveat. You're going to go into exile for 70 years. 
and then I'll bring you back. That Josh, that don't sell. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, stop. I said this last night. Malachi closes. There's 400 years of silence. And how does God bring his word back? A voice in the wilderness. Not in Jerusalem. He, he closes the book. Old Testament done. 400 years. Nothing. And then you hear a voice. Prepare the way of the Lord. Who's that dude? Dressed in camel skin. Like, I mean, crazy looking dude. John, out in the wilderness. Day in and day out. Same message. Same message. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Make way. Prepare the way. The kingdom's coming. What is it about the Lord that he hides things in the wilderness, in the secret place? Why wouldn't he bring John? I mean, John's dad was Zachariah, the high priest. John was in line to be the high priest. So it makes complete sense that the Lord would have taken John in the spirit of Elijah. Jesus said, no greater man born a woman than of John. You know, he said, the greatest man ever born is John. That's what Jesus said. So, greater than Moses, greater than Elijah, greater than Adam. It would make sense that he would plop him right in the middle of Jerusalem and say to everybody around, Pharisees, Sadducees, crazies. Uh, that's what I start. I, that's just like thinking, you know, like Pharisees, Sadducees, crazies. So, <laughs> we're going to write a song about that one day. Anyway, the Lord loves them. But, Father, forgive them. They don't know. So, um, <laughs> why wouldn't he plop him in the middle of Jerusalem? Because it's God's privilege to hide things, and it's the king's privilege to search them out and find them. He didn't put him in Jerusalem. He put him out in the wilderness. If you were going to find that thing, you were going to have to take a trip into the wilderness. The first thing he says after 400 years, you understand this? like, it's like the equivalent to all of the Bibles in the world being, like, lost. And 400 years later, you bring in a Bible to somebody, and they're like, what is that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, generation after generation dies without a word from the Lord. And then a crazy guy in the wilderness, prepare the way, prepare the way, repent, prepare the way. Preaching a message that made no sense. Remember, the only way you could be forgiven of your sins was to offer a sacrifice. John was in the wilderness saying, if you'll just repent, he'll forgive you of your sins. I mean, goes against everything they were taught. Y'all thought I was crazy when I started talking about the end. What he was talking about was blasphemy. Unless something had been hidden within him that the Lord was allowing people to come and find are y'all with me? Because up till this point, all they had ever known was bring an animal, make a sacrifice, offer something up. But then there was a man in the wilderness who had something in the secret place that said, if my people would just repent, I'll forgive them. And the Bible says that everyone from Jerusalem 
went out into the wilderness to be baptized by John. Who, who baptized Jesus Christ himself? John. And when the Holy Spirit falls and remains on Jesus, who had the front row seat to see all of it and hear the audible voice of the Lord? John. Why? Because he was willing to go into the wilderness and seek out the things that had been hidden for such a time as this and find them and trust I might get flack. People might think I'm crazy. People might think that I'm heretical. But I know I found something in the secret place that if I'm not careful, I'm going to miss out on the greatest encounter the world has ever seen. So I'm challenging you today. Ellington, come on and play some light guitar. That's what, that's what we need. Or you can play, yeah, or piano, piano. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Let me just get this pad off. Made that mistake a couple weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> some of you are like, man, I can't believe he's done at 1130. We ain't done yet. Um, I'm just kidding. We are almost done. <laughs> I just, I feel like some of you have some dreams. Some of you are beginning to imagine things that if they were ever revealed, to the people around you, you fear that people would think you're crazy. Like God, God is starting to show you some things about his nature that you feel if they were ever put out in the open, people would lose all respect for me. Friends would run away from me. I believe what you actually might be inheriting, no thank you, Siri, what you actually might be inheriting is some of those secrets that he's concealed for you. Man, you shouldn't play piano. I just want to cry. Um, so Veda, when she is uh, going crazy, which is very rare, but when she's tired and, like, something happens that she doesn't want to happen and she's just, you know, mad and trying to figure things out in life and stuff like that, uh, what Jordan does which I try to do, but I'm like, a, I'm the soft one, um, is the best thing to do is kind of to leave her, just let her, you know, let her do her thing, and then a couple minutes later, she's fine, you know. And um, I can't do that. You know, I'm like trying to fix it. And, um, but it's amazing how you leave her and you just let her squirm and be mad and cry, and then something clicks. This isn't that big of a deal. Me and Jordan didn't leave. We're just sitting in the other room waiting. And she walks in, and everything's fine. Some of y'all are squirming and kicking and screaming because he's asking you to do things that you don't want to do. And you're, you're fed up and you're frustrated you don't know where he is, and I'm telling you right now, he's just around the corner waiting for you to click that at the end of the day, if mom and dad are here, everything's actually good. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm not going to go hungry. I'm going to have everything I need. In fact, I'm going to have a lot more than I actually need because they love me. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about Dream Church, please visit www.dreamcolumbia.com. Have a great week.